Right now, new and returning vidIQ customers can buy one month of vidIQ and get the second month free. This offer is going on until July 31st and can be used towards a purchase of either a pro or boost level account. All you have to do is visit vidIQ.com bonus. If you've been looking to unlock our full suite of tools, now is a great time. You have until July 31st, vidIQ.com bonus. I'm really excited to talk to today's guest because they're living the dream. They're creating content on YouTube on a regular basis while also mixing in live streams on their main channel and on a separate gaming channel. And what's really interesting is this creator has actually recently switched from being full-time on Twitch to bringing everything over to YouTube, and their experience has been pretty interesting to watch. If you've ever considered making live streaming part of your strategy for growing your business on YouTube... I think you're going to get a lot out of this. Welcome to Tube Talk, the show dedicated to helping you become a better video creator so you can get more views, subscribers, and build your audience. Brought to you by vidIQ. Download for free at vidIQ.com. Welcome back to another episode of Tube Talk. I'm Dan Carson, joined once again by Rob Wilson of vidIQ. How are you? Hello. I'm still locked in this podcast room with you. When are you going to let me out, Dan? Uh, well, today's guest is someone I've been following for quite a bit. Uh, I really admire their take on YouTube and streaming, and that's what we're going to talk about today. With is it Biggie or Big E? Do, how much it's separation? Big Big E, but yeah, big, people just say Big E sometimes because it just flows. But or some people just even say E. That's actually how the the nickname originated, just because my last name starts with an E, and everybody was calling me E. And then one day somebody started saying Big E. I was bigger in high school, and it just stuck. Well. Thank you so much for doing this. I've been pretty excited to talk to you. And uh, let's get started by just talking a little bit about who you are and what you do on YouTube. Well, I'm a full-time content creator, about two years now, full-time content. Uh, I started off about, well, I originally started off 11 years ago uh, doing graphic design in this industry. And uh, six years went full-time with that. And throughout the last few years, obviously transitioned into full-time content. Uh, with that, I've been trying to find like the best version of creating my own content while being informative as well. Obviously from what you guys create, I've looked down the path of, you know, being very informative, researching stuff a lot more example, you know, uh, things that we're talking about today, YouTube versus Twitch and whatnot. But as a creator, I've been trying to find that best balance away from just not only information, but also like some humor, some vlogging, some diversity in the content, obviously, comes with some struggles because diversity is a little tough on YouTube, but uh, I've been feel like I've been doing a better job with it these last few months with uh, testing new things on YouTube. So I would say so. You've been you've switched from Twitch to YouTube, which is a rough transition, yeah. I think, to put it lightly. And uh, you've already amassed over twenty five thousand subscribers on your main channel. Yeah, I understand you have two channels actually. Where's where's the gaming one at? So the the gaming one is uh, it's Sore Biggie, which is the gaming org that I rep represent. So I figured it would make sense. Uh, we're actually about to hit. Uh, it might happen today, but almost five thousand subscribers over there right now. And um, I on my Twitch, I had separated content in itself before, even though it was all in one place. I would have you know the just chatting, which would be like a whole different community in itself. People that were coming from YouTube wanting to learn stuff. And then I would have the gaming side, the people that did just more enjoy my energy and vibe and whatever game we were playing at the time. So I, I thought in trying out YouTube, it would be smart to maybe separate those two. So that way I'm not necessarily putting all my eggs 
in one basket, even though, as you guys are aware, like YouTube is just so many options right now as a, as a creator to create content. Right. So how was that transition from, from YouTube to Twitch? Because that is something, I mean, personally, I've experimented on both platforms doing various things. And I've always kind of realized to myself that if I want to do one of these right, I need to kind of stick to one. Yeah. And, you know, you, I guess the way you're putting it, you kind of did have all your eggs in that Twitch basket, it sounds like. Yeah. Dan, uh, Dan you meant Twitch to YouTube, right? Yes. Yeah. Is, oh, yeah. I, I guess he, YouTube yeah. to Twitch. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, that was actually, you know, that in the last 10 years of being a creator, the most mental hard time that I had was when I was a full-time Twitch streamer. And like, that was my main thing. That was when we were, you know, like uh, above, I think we were at like 1200 subscribers at the time. I was streaming 250 hours a month. And um, it was, there was a lot of fun times, right? But you start creating that really unhealthy mindset where when you go live, you know that if, if you're not entertaining, if you're not, you know, if you're not collecting money, essentially, you're not going to be able to make it and do it more because you've put all your chips in that basket. So that is actually what started like peaking my interest with YouTube is because ironically, perfect timing during the transition and scare away from Twitch where I had to take time away because we were moving and I just didn't have that much time. And I had a couple of side projects with uh, Asus at the time. So really had to do that. I had a tw- uh, YouTube video do very well, finally, after all these years. Uh, I think it's my most viewed video. And when I started seeing the ad revenue from that, something like gave me a lot more confidence in, in YouTube for the sustainability. So I started asking myself, well, if I take more time with YouTube and less time with Twitch, how will that do? And that's essentially what I did in 2020, towards the end of 2020, that um, YouTube kind of like piqued my interest of like, well, what if I really full send into YouTube a little bit more. Cause as you guys know, Twitch is becoming just very saturated right now with streamers. Right. I would like to ask a broad question here. Do you think just generally speaking as of today in 2021, is it easier to start making a sustainable income on YouTube or Twitch? In a black and white. Yes. Like, and you just like a blatant question, but obviously there's, there's yeah. a lot that dives into that. You know what I mean? Like it, it also comes down to the person's like, will the person's drive. Like you can't just, you know, obviously we all know you can't just like say, I want to make money here. And then this is a better option. Obviously in a more sympathetic, it's sad to say, but in a sympathetic way, Twitch is better to kind of, we've seen that with TikTok these last few months, the pity card. It's very easy to get sympathy views uh, right now on Twitch. Oh, I right. don't have any viewers. Oh, this month's been tough for me. And, and that's what, that's kind of the community power that Twitch has, but yeah, just black and white sustainability. I, I personal experience, YouTube seems like the better marketplace to give creators tools to have financial freedom. But let's talk about that a little bit too, because when you talk about sustainability, the thing that jumps out to me is, and I think you touched on this a second ago, is mental health. It takes so much energy to be on for you know an eight hour, a ten hour, a twelve hour stream, and I'm using such big numbers because I know that is what it takes. On Twitch, you are, yeah. your channel's not live, so no one knows you're there. So what do you do? You stream as much as possible, where, as on YouTube, my belief has always been you're able to post a video, and you can kind of just wait a little bit before <laughs> posting another yeah. video or doing a live stream. So, and is that kind of what, what you mean when you talk about, like, sustainability? Does that come into it? 
Yeah. Um, you know, I, I got COVID uh, last year, so I was forced to take time off. And wow. that's when I, I really seen the YouTube stability because the first week and a half, I think, into into it, my Twitch, I mean, it, the revenue instantly dropped in half because people weren't resubbing while I was live. I mean, obviously you had some automatic resubs, but like primes don't automatically resub. So, and that was a large portion. Gifted doesn't, uh, you know, automatically re-gift. So yeah, the, the sustainability was the concept of if I have a bad moment, if something happens, what, what's going to happen to my content that I'm making? Is it just going to go on pause and not make any revenue for a few weeks? Because then that's, then you're coming back into it with a, a negative mentality, like right off the rip. When I came back from uh, the move and, and came back in the Twitch, obviously the first stream was like, yeah, he's back. But then the mindset was, okay, I'm behind this much here. I need to get this much there. But I don't want to think about that. I just want to go live and be myself. But I, as you know, an adult, you have bills and you got to right. put that into perspective too. So it's the big mental part for sure with the stability. The big thing that we see among gaming channels, especially ones that are just kind of starting out on YouTube, is they want to experiment with streaming. They experiment with VOD content, and I kind of have a, I guess I have a, what I hope is not a complicated question because the way I wrote it down certainly is, what are your thoughts on channels that would like to use YouTube kind of like you would Twitch? Let's start there. So you're streaming every single day or whatever schedule you have, but you're never posting video on demand or anything like that. Like if there were a strategy to grow like that, if there is one, what would you say that is? Man, the thing that I'm really finding out with YouTube uh, in the streaming world is uh, it's, it's actually hard to say a strategy right now because, um, you know, some of the things that I'm even testing out, some larger creators were like, don't do this. Uh, you know, example is like unlisting your streams when you're done. And at first, when I got uh, YouTube partner program access, I started unlisting them because to start, you know, all that counts towards watch time. So I just let them public. Well, from my experience, I noticed that that actually started reducing my viewership even in my streams. And I was actually surprised, and maybe it's like the maturity of my audience, maybe it's a lot of adults, but how many people actually do watch my live streams after they're done, uh, even on my main channel. I think uh, since my, I think since last weekend's podcast on my end, uh, last Friday, I think we've gained another 900 views on, on the podcast that I had the other day with like over a 20-something minute uh, average view duration on that. So, you know, people are sticking to it as well. So that was really interesting to me because everybody was like, don't do this. But then- you know, as far as other strategies, I've seen so many people over the last couple of months that are utilizing YouTube and like everybody does things so different from each other. Some people stream on YouTube in the morning and stream on Twitch on the evening. Some people have canceled their Twitch affiliate and Twitch partners and they multi-stream to like two to 3000 viewers. So it's like, I think that's the power with YouTube right now is like, there's no real right or wrong. It's kind of like fair game and what can work for you, you know? I've seen that for sure. It's interesting you bring up the unlisted streams too, because I've seen that advice floating around out there. And I could just say from experience as well, I, I don't really understand it. I don't know if Rob, you've seen this around where people suggest we do that. Um, I've kind of heard it mentioned, but I've, like, like you, I can't see a reason why you should do unless you're trying to create, I guess, that clubhouse environment where it's, uh, you know, FOMO, fear of missing out. If you don't take part in this active stream, are you going to miss it? Uh, but then, of course, you if you are working towards monetization, you lose those public watch hours. I'm sure. I'm sure there's a reason for it. But I, um, yeah, I, you know, like 
like on vidIQ, we always want to leave our stuff up so that people can learn after the fact. Yeah, because uh, one of the suggestions was actually Fwiz, uh, who is the head of gaming. He he personally was like, you know, this is what most of the creators recommend to do is is unlist it. You know, obviously you got people like Curse JD, but on I, my thought was too, they are uploading every day as well, and I think it might. And as you guys know, if if you leave up YouTube streams. That's actually two alerts for one YouTube stream. So you get the alert for it going out. And then once it's done and it's a no longer a live streaming and it's, it's a VOD, it's a video, it's getting another alert. So I mm. think what it is, is I, I think some larger creators, since they upload every day, they just don't want to flood the timeline. Right. And, but yeah, I, some people have said that it messes with your analytics because your average click through rate or your average view duration may go down. But even after talking a couple of weeks ago, with YouTube gaming, they've confirmed like th those types of stats doesn't affect the growth of your channel for the future, you know, by having some of those numbers down due to stream. So yeah, I'm really curious as to why, what the trend is with the unlisted side of streams. I always found that really fascinating. I've had really good success on streams after the fact, because mm -hmm. a lot of the viewers, the loyal viewers who that's who I make my streams for my, you, you seem to separate your channel with, uh, you know, your streaming channel versus your regular channel. I believe mm -hmm. I have that right. Yeah, uh, it's like gaming and, and just chatting almost. Gotcha. So like, I'll, I'll just have my gaming channel and I'll, I'll post streams in and I'll have my regular videos that go up as well. And the loyal audience comes back for those live streams. They really appreciate that. They can watch them after the fact, the fact they can put it on times to speed if they want to, so they can get through it faster. Right. Yeah. So there's a lot of benefits that I think it's just all about offering that value to your audience. What kind of experience would you like as a viewer? And can you pass that on to your audience? This episode of Tube Talk is brought to you by vidIQ's trend alerts tool. Think Google alerts, but specifically for YouTube trends. This tool is great for planning your next video as it helps you stay on top of trending topics within your niche. Provided you have vidIQ installed on your Chrome or Firefox browser, you'll find it on the left-hand sidebar the next time you're in your YouTube studio. Once there, you can create an alert and enter keywords for it and set the parameters. So, for example, I could have a channel that covers iPhones. And I may want an alert that includes things like iPhone, iPhone 12, or even Apple event. Then I can set up my alert to email me whenever a new video hits, say, 500, 1,000, or even 10,000 views an hour. So if suddenly I get an email and see 20 new videos all talking about iPhone 27 rumors, and they're all each getting about 500 views an hour, I know that something's probably going down and I had better hit record. The Trend Alerts tool is free when you sign up with vidIQ, so visit vidIQ.com, install the extension, and start creating Trend Alerts today. It's like I'm learning right. that YouTube is just like a whole tool set in itself. As to where Twitch, there is kind of like... It, there's a standard of how you have to grow. You have to get content on other sites and bring those people over. And then on top of that, there's becoming more of a standard of your entertainment value because it's getting very competitive over there. There's a lot of funny people. There's a lot of good players. Like there's options now on Twitch. A lot of people are doing it. So it's like, it's really interesting because on Twitch, you have this specific thing, create content here, bring people over. That's your option. As to where on YouTube, you do have the, well, I can do this here. I can do that there. So yeah, it's it's really interesting to see what YouTube's doing. We always run into these channels that try to just do, you know, streams. And then we we find ourselves recommending, hey, you know, YouTube is a really cool platform because unlike other sites like Twitch, 
you can actually upload a video and that video can work for you while you're away. That's a strategy we find ourselves recommending over and over. We do this thing every Tuesday called channel audits and we, we've run into gaming channels just starting out. And I, I give that advice almost every week, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Try to do some video on demand content between your streams or take the streams you've done, take the best moments, cram them together in like a five minute video. Uh, what kind of advice, because you do give a lot of advice on your channel, uh, you know, what, what kind of advice have you given people in that in that regard? The biggest thing I, I started saying is, um, well, for a lot of people that make the what if scenarios like, well, what if it's spammy? What if it's not entertaining? What if it's this? What if it's not? Well, my argument always typically in those situations is what are you currently doing right now? In most cases, they're just only streaming on Twitch. It's like, well, OK, now you don't have any other options. So you can throw all what ifs out the window. So like, let's look at positive what ifs. What if you just upload a random highlight and you title it correctly and 300,000 people watch it overnight because that's the power of YouTube. Like there's no debate there. That is what YouTube can do. It's not a guarantee, but that, that option is at least there. It doesn't really take much time out of your day. You end your stream 30 minutes early, take the highlight from the best gameplay, put it up, put a, a title and tagging and a thumbnail on it. And you, it's, it's potentially just a, a scratch off lottery ticket that you barely spent any time or effort on and could get something huge in return for not only your stream, but even to find out, maybe I like doing other content as well. Maybe you find out then, oh, wow, I, I like doing these videos. So I always just, I, I try to just encourage people to just mess around. Because when you're small on YouTube, it doesn't matter how organized you think you are, how by the book you're doing things. No one's going to care till they find out how, who you are in the first place. So by just creating to create, you can find out what you like and dislike in the first place, which will help probably drive viewers to your stream. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about the business side of things. I mean, a lot of people go into this hoping to turn it into a business. Let's talk a little bit about the early opportunities there, because especially when it comes to streaming, I've, I've found that there are some early opportunities to make a little bit of money and, and start to see those, those types of gains. Uh, what would you say to creators looking to do that who are, say, about to hit like a thousand subscribers or something like that? Uh, for like on, on the YouTube partner uh, program, YouTube. like, yeah, yeah, like how they get ready. Well, I, I think a big thing is, um, and I don't know where, where I think Twitch has kind of created this mentality because affiliate is, is so easy to get. So some people think in the mindset, I'm just going to do, do, do till I get there till I get the option. But I, I've been streaming for about eight years now. Uh, one of the first streams that I really took or games I took very serious was the launch of Titanfall. I streamed like mm. that all the way through the progression of it. So at that time we didn't have affiliate. And if you weren't a sub, like you didn't have the button. So we had to be very creative on how we could bring in revenue while gaining these, these viewers. And I mean, even back in the day in 2012, like YouTube ad revenue wasn't anything crazy at, at that time. So again, we had to be creative on how we would bring in revenue. So as a designer, I would do graphics packs and stuff. I suggest to smaller creators to not rely on the, the result of like getting Twitch affiliate or getting YouTube partner program. I say start off the rip, figure out what you can start bringing in value to people right away. Cause you can do things like Patreon. You can do, uh, if you're an artist or creative, you can do sites like Selfie. uh, lots of options. out. I mean, I think Twitter even said that they're bringing a, a super followers out soon to, yeah. You know, you know, there, there's so many options now to start bringing understanding how you can bring value to your personal brand 
without having that process. And I think by just like messing or like the first time you get a paid subscription on anything, I think my first one was a Patreon before I, I had Twitch affiliate years ago. And that process of like, wow, okay, I gave this person an opportunity to support me. They supported me. Now I get to give them something back. How can I get creative? And then I started doing graphics packs and so many other things to make also passive income. I think by just like trying, messing around, seeing what kind of value you can bring off the rip before you even have those options, I think it gets you a little bit more creative and understands how to, how to make that kind of revenue in the first place. Because some people just kind of rely on it. Some people, they get YouTube members, they get Twitch affiliate, they enable it. And it's just like, I'm here where you, you guys want to sign up now. And it's like, well, what are people signing up for in the first place? Why, why are people giving you that money to begin with? It just, just like a normal YouTube video, you got to be providing some kind of value. Uh, but then more so, cause you're asking people to, Hey, register for my, my thing where you can give me money. Right. You know? Is it fair to say then at this point, you're a full-time YouTuber as opposed to maybe as a full-time Twitcher now, would that be accurate? Yeah, yeah, one, yeah, one hundred percent. YouTube so, is so, my main thing now. So the follow-up question is that um, your channels, I think, combined are under thirty thousand subscribers. Well, uh, yes. no, yeah. around about thirty thousand subscribers, and you have like I think a couple of million million views. So just by AdSense revenue alone, I'm guessing that that brings in uh, annually, perhaps, let's say, less than five figures. So that's not going to sustain a creator just from that income. So right. I, if you could just maybe. Um, expand a little bit on how you've been able to diversify to much more lucrative revenue streams. Cause as you say, I think that's one of the, the big things about uh, creators who are just determined to hit monetization because they think ad revenue is the be all and end all. When yeah. Really? It's just the icing on the cake. That, yeah. Very true. Uh, I, I actually talked about that in a podcast last week. It's the little things that add up. Right. And that's all YouTube was for me for a long time as well. Like YouTube ad revenue for years, literally years was just like 50 to $80 a month. Yeah. And then that spike, it was like overnight, it was, you know, it turned into, you know, over four figures, which obviously you can't live off of that. But the power with that is like when you start, when you can start driving income and revenue to your own ads, like it was able, I was able to kind of transfer that to people. I did get lucky that, well, I, I wouldn't say lucky. Uh, there's a particular couple partnerships that I've gotten throughout the years that also help drive uh, revenue through my channel, uh, through affiliate links, Secret Labs is an example, G Fuel is an example, the Beard Club, uh, Control, these are all people that like uh, I'm sponsored by or have affiliate links with. And then on top of it, Amazon Associates as well, which that's a big one that I recommend to anybody because even though you get a, a small cut, I think anybody at this point can sign up for Amazon Associates accounts. Like, I could be wrong or maybe you need to have like a thousand subscribers on a platform. And I think that can be any. I'd have to do more. Somebody would have to do more research on that. But essentially, it gives you the idea to create the content in the first place. Like a couple of years ago, I was like, oh, I bought these things off of Amazon. I should just do reviews on them. And then they have an Amazon links. And just over time, like it's just revenue that continuously builds up. But uh, how I've been able to sustain it has 100% been through little brand deal here, little affiliate link there, a little this there. And then it also encourages me to kind of like, if I see things kind of like start falling off, okay, hey, maybe I need to take this a little bit more serious. Like after a year, my Amazon associates is still bringing in this much revenue. Okay, well, what can I do to kind of spike that up a little bit? Let's check out some gear on Amazon and maybe talk about that. But maybe not everybody's a reviewer. So 
maybe your specialty is in like gaming gear uh, where I do get a benefit. I will say is being a creative. And I, I know not everybody is a creative. Some people probably watching this or maybe just gamers, you know, so that is the kind of checks and balances, I guess, with things. Not everybody's guaranteed to be able to create quality content for companies as well. Did you um, foster these relationships uh, yourself, like going out, I guess, tendering your your value to these companies or did they approach you? Because um, uh, it's, it's like you've built up, a, you know, almost like a dozen relationships with different yeah. companies. What's the ma- major driving factor in that? Because I'm trying to get to maybe the idea of where you can't just wait for these people to contact you. You need to create a media kit and maybe reach out to people Bingo. who you think are going to work with with you. So I'll use the biggest one as an example, and I'm not signed with them, so I, I'm pretty sure I can talk. All I have with them is an affiliate link, so I'm pretty sure I can really share like a good amount of numbers. But uh, Secret Labs is a great example. I'm not sponsored with them. They simply gave me an affiliate link uh, after the fact that I was already buying their chair in the first place. Once the chair showed up, I was doing daily vlogs at the time. I did a nice little B-roll sequence, nice little edit with, with unboxing, putting together their chair. Shared it on all my other forms of social media, Twitter, Instagram, and everything. And that caught their attention. And they were like, yeah. hey, would you like an affiliate link? I was like, sure, that, that'd be awesome. Well, I, for a whole year, my affiliate link, I it didn't get set up correctly or anything. About a year later, they contacted me again. And uh, they noticed that that video had gotten a couple thousand views on YouTube. And they were like, well, they asked how the affiliate link was going. And I said, uh, I could never really get it to work. And they were wondering if I was sharing it. That's why. And uh, so they helped me out. They got it working. And then they were like, you know, for the inconvenience, would you like to do a collab? This was around this time last year. I was like, sure. So they sent me out a new chair. And all I had to do was a review. Uh, Since then, I've done them over $130,000 in sales uh, from two reviews. And because of that, because of that first connection and then getting the affiliate link, it returned in the five figures for me on top of that. And thus I was able to use all that data to help me out with more partnerships since then. So just that one, like me going out of my way, I'm getting this thing anyways. Like think of how many things we have in our room right now. People have keyboards, mice, gaming headsets, Think about how you can get so creative with those little things makes, you know, what, what's special about you? Are you good at the game? Are you good at editing? Are you good at video? Are you good at photo? How can you bring that value? I did that with B-rolls and a nice little edit, shared it to them. And since then, I had a good partnership with them. And on top of that, have built a couple partnerships and, and got a, a lot more than what I would have thought I could have gotten without those numbers and analytics. Because obviously, as you guys know, that's, that's the biggest thing is how can you tell somebody hey, I can create something and uh, make sales for you without yeah. those numbers to back it up. I think that's a fantastic example of um, how the extension of giving away something for free to begin with to build a relationship, because you're doing that essentially when you start your YouTube channel in that you're giving an audience something for free, whether it's entertainment, education, storytelling and whatnot. And uh, you know, if, you, if you're reviewing a product essentially for free and it does get some traction, and it's picked up by this company, then you can build a relationship with somebody who you actually want to work with. I mean, my example is I made a vidIQ video, sent out a tweet, and now four years later, I work full-time for them. And so mm-hmm. there's always, as you say, sometimes you may think you're lucky, but it's like the more times you you try, you hit the ball or, or try something, the luckier you get because you just, you're just constantly knocking on the door and those opportunities will soon arrive. 
It was the same situation from G Fuel. Uh, in fact, I, unironically, for a long time, because, I again, I started off as a creative, there was this huge phase where creatives were doing a lot of free stuff for companies. And I would really emphasize, like, it's, it's good to do here and there, but, like, hold your boundaries. You know, the, we, we had this huge era where, like, designers were creating designs, like, weekly for companies like G Fuel. And I would really, like, guys, you got to stop doing this. Like, they don't need it. It's just free marketing for them, this, that. If anything, people would think that I was talking more negative about G Fuel. Well, then somebody that works there was like, well, have you ever tried G Fuel? And I was like, no, I, I haven't. And they're like, well, let, let me send you out some stuff. And then once they sent it out, sent it out to me, I did some B-roll and stuff like that. And they're like, well, let's, let's get you sponsored. Let's get you a partnership. So then I was sponsored for them or with them for a little bit, just had a code, you know, and it was getting a good percentage. And then just because I was getting the product anyways to test out, anytime a new product would come in, I would just make some crazy extravagant video for it. Like there's no need for me to put the production value into some of these videos that I did. And then because of that, I ended up becoming an actual signed sponsor and creator with them as well. So again, it was just starting off like it was a conversation about G Fuel at a certain point in my streams. And and them as a company and a brand was just like, well, let let us show you the product that you're talking about. And then due to the interaction between that, a, a huge relationship has has 100% grown from there. Folks, let this be an example of just how important ad revenue is. We spoke about ad revenue for about a minute at the beginning of this conversation. Mm -hmm. And now for the last 10 minutes, we've been talking about how to diversify your income revenue streams elsewhere. And that's, I think, the uh, amount of attention you want to be putting on these different aspects of, of making money on YouTube. It's tough. It's tough to go into this and start to see success. And you see your peers going out and getting these deals and you can tell yeah. they're making a little bit of money and it's comfortable. And you're like, how do I do that? You know, there's no guidebook for this stuff. You just kind of hope that right. people lead you in the right direction when you ask. And uh, the, the, the examples you set are, I think, really unique. And I think it's everyone's going to have like a different way that kind of got in with a company, you know? Yeah. Throughout the last five years, I've just learned so much. I used to have a problem where I, I thought that I just had to wait. I had to grow a number and wait and just grow more and wait. And like people will approach me, right? And then it, it was, you know, like I, I, some of these examples that we're talking. I think the big one was 2019, like going to TwitchCon for the first time. At that time, I had like, I don't even, I, I didn't even have 10,000 subscribers on YouTube. I had like, I think maybe 14K on Twitch. I was getting like 70 to 80 to 100 viewers at the time. I had, you know, like 700 to 1,000 subscribers. But like at TwitchCon, when you go there, I mean, I was in the G Fuel booth with Dr. Disrespect, right? <laughs> so like I'm nobody in, in the world of online content. But the when I was there in person, the value, like the actual connection value how much G Fuel, just as an example, went out of their way to have meetings with me that weekend, to talk advice with me, to talk long-term deals. Uh, and then even the presence of while I was in there and some of these other creators around me have hundreds of thousands of subscribers and they're catering to, not catering, that sounds so like egotistical, like they're really going out of their way to make sure like, hey, Biggie, go, like, just do some stuff over here. Let's get some photos of you over here. Let's get you in a, a new story. And I had asked somebody, my manager uh, through G Fuel at a period of time. I'm like, what? man, like everybody's just so nice to me. And he pointed at somebody and said, you see that person right over there? I was like, yeah. And they're like, they have over a million followers on Instagram. 
I was like, never heard of them before. He's like, you doubled their sales last month, doubled the less than 10,000 subscribers on YouTube. And that's where I kind of learned that value isn't always in numbers and your energy, your attitude, your community can go, your content overall can go a long way in a little number. Like it really can. So that's where I, that's really when I started kind of turning things around and, and was like, okay, I need to kind of like attack a little bit more. Even if they don't know me yet, maybe I should invest in that product that I want to get anyways. And like, let's, let's make some noise, like, you know, have some confidence in myself. But as I mentioned, I, I will say as a creator, as a photographer, videographer, I do, I wouldn't say easy shortcut, but I do have that like option there, but that's as creatives, as you guys know, like that's where you have to think out of the, outside the box. Okay. Where's your value? How can you bring that value to the table? It's tough. You have to really break out of your comfort zone to start developing these relationships yeah. too. So that could be a superpower if you're somebody who has that charisma or just someone who's willing to take that plunge. Stepping back a little bit though, before you even get to that, that level where you feel like, okay, I'm going to go seek out some sponsors and stuff. Uh, I got to say the YouTube partnership program and, and the option to have members and things like that is very, very tempting. And it's something you can get relatively early in your journey if you're in the, if you're in the program. And I feel like it's very easy to start a membership program and make a ton of mistakes. And I don't know if you've seen this, but I, I was just hoping you could speak to that a little bit because I've certainly gone down that road and made many mistakes when I was trying to build out these programs, if, if not memberships, Patreons or whatever. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I think I, I, this is so ironic because I, I feel like I'm in my first mistake uh, with my memberships because honestly, I've only had YouTube memberships on both my channels for uh, the last couple months. That's, I didn't even know I was eligible on my main channel, which is something that I, I feel like YouTube really needs to start bringing a lot more light to these things because there's just so much curiosity. You know, on, on, yeah. that is a powerful thing with Twitch is like the community presence with the community information. Uh, like when you're starting off, you know what you need to get. And you know what the end result is. YouTube is kind of like so many people are, are, are so confused, but I'm, I'm really experiencing like I got the membership uh, options and I was just, I just jumped on them and I, I jumped on them in the aspect of what I was used to on Twitch. And what I'm realizing now is like, uh, or uh, questioning is how much power is within the memberships in itself. Like how much value could I really actually be bringing to these memberships? Maybe for like a big thing I've been thinking lately is for the main channel. Maybe I don't want to always be informative stuff, but maybe there is a value to that. And if people are wanting to give memberships, maybe I can find that connection right there to where it is more, it's, it's hard to say worth your time, but like as a creator, that's what you got to be thinking of. Maybe in those situations, I can utilize memberships to make that, that information be worth more of the time. So that way, maybe uh, I go out of my way more to present it and do a little, it seems worth it, I guess, a little bit more. So like, I, I guess, um, yeah, the big mistake that I, I made so far on memberships is just tr treating them like Twitch subscriptions and just making three tiers, making them around the same price and just kind of offering the same thing and not really like learning more about them and seeing how I can take advantage of them. Cause I'm seeing like uh, Craig Adams is a creator that I admire so much uh, YouTuber. He uses his memberships to essentially fund and make the next video where they want, like people kind of want to suggest he does these like silent hiking films. They get hundreds of thousands of views, like very like almost ASMR visual relaxing videos. But yeah, his members contribute and it kind of feeds the information of where he's going to go, 
what kind of questions there are. Like everything is kind of based around the drive of the memberships. And I think there's other couple creators that really utilize that. Lieutenant Lickme, I think, did for years uh, before his absence, uh, really utilized memberships in that way. I think that's what I've mistaken so far. It's not the power of them. So what kind of perks are you currently offering, if you don't mind me asking? Just like general, like, you know, emotes for the, obviously for, for any um, things like downloadable backgrounds, uh, a discount for apparel, which I think are great things. I I, I love that I have that control, but uh, I don't know. I just, I feel like I'm not, I feel like for being so creative, I'm not being as creative as I should be. And I think it almost like devalues the idea of memberships. It's just something that's so easy to say, Hey, please sign up over there. So that's just kind of monthly money. And I'm more thinking now, like, okay, well, like, why, why do I want to encourage people to really become members now? And what kind of power does YouTube now give me that option to utilize that? The membership mistakes that I've seen, maybe you can relate to this a little bit, were people who were starting out and they felt like they needed to offer something, right? That struggle of like, well, what can I offer? And I can relate to this personally because I'm not really a designer. I don't consider myself a designer. So like what kinds of perks could I give people? And what ended up happening early on for me was that I was giving people the option to like join my game server, whatever game I happen to be playing, you know, and, and it sounds easy, but when you get 20, 30, 50 members, suddenly, right now you've got to whitelist everybody on the server so they can join it. And then they don't re up their subscription the next month. And you got to keep track of that. Mm -hmm. And I was always building whatever membership program I was a part of not to scale. Right. It was it was great value for the end user and for me, no scalability. <laughs> yep. Uh, I actually, uh, I mean, it's it's just equal to. I actually just before we started this uh, conversation today, I had a buddy that is learning to become an editor, and he kind of is making the same as starting to feed into making the same mistake that I made. And I, I could see a lot of people doing this with memberships on YouTube, but I made the mistake on Twitch. At a period of time um, when I was still transitioning from graphic design uh, into content, a big thing that I was very noticed uh, by was typography. That's uh, one of, That was one of my biggest strong suits is typography. And I, I do brush and ink type typography. So doing it live is very like you know, people loved watching it. I started getting myself in a bad routine of where I was like, all subscribers get their name drawn, right? Where it's uh-huh. like, if you have a whiteboard, that's it's Oh, it's all right when you got to do that. But if you're doing typography, we're like, and you're like me and you mess up one word, dang it. You got to start a new line, dang it. And then you fill up a whole page of just, you know, fluff. Got to go to the next page. And uh, in that month, I had, I did, a, I did Nate Shot's name. I did Tim the Tatman's name and a couple other. I had a couple tweets uh, with those blow up with 5,000 like likes and retweets. And uh, I literally went from like a few hundred subscribers to uh, like gaining like 200 in a week. And so you can like in some of these streams, it would be literally like 100 new subscribers. And you could like, that's awesome. But I bit off way more than what I could chew. And it almost ruined the thing that I enjoyed. Like it became such a, a task that had no real return. People were so needy. People were like, where is it? Where can I get this? People were like not understanding like the like some people were like, okay, like some other creators with like 10,000, you know, followers were like, I'm going to take this 
and print apparel with this. I'm like, well, no, this is this is just for fun, man. Like, I'm not just giving you a free rights to your whole next clothing. So it just turned into a huge hassle where, like, like you just mentioned, I bit off way more. But at the at the time, it seemed like a good idea because I'm like, I can take my craft and I can utilize it to give or bring people in. But then I didn't think big picture of how that can bury me. It was probably really good though. <laughs> it, 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 was, it was crazy at first, but like I said, where it, where it became just like it, bad vibes was like when I would when I would start up a stream, and maybe I would just want a game. I wouldn't even look forward to to drawing anymore. This thing that like right. I've loved doing for years, I didn't even want to do it, you know. And then on top of that, I'd be starting off the stream, and I didn't even want to talk to half the people that were tuning in because they were only there because they wanted to do that, you know. They wanted me to to do that thing. And that's where that was like one of the first times I really learned, like where I can't, I can't hold myself to this specific thing. If that's not what like I truly want to do in the long term, I'm going to have to indulge myself with the story because you reminded me of mistake, the, of some mistake I made that I forgot until this moment. Uh, I was playing Minecraft and what I decided is if someone subscribes on Twitch and just for anyone listening out there who doesn't understand Twitch, a subscriber on Twitch means they're paying money. It's not like on YouTube. You can subscribe for free on YouTube. Uh, just want to clear that up. But oh, if yeah, you yeah. when you subscribe on Twitch, uh, I would allow what's called a chance cube to spawn in Minecraft. And this is a block that spawns in front of you. And if you open it, any number of things can happen. And I was getting a lot of subscribers from this opportunity to essentially blow up everything I was working on. And at first, hey, that's a lot of fun. But then you have people who enjoy watching the progression of the game. And I found myself actually losing viewers because I would I would blow everything up. And go, oh no, I blew everything up. That stinks. I guess we got to start over. And then everybody, you know, <laughs> laughs, the people who are enjoying it. But I start losing the people. I, I got a lot of comments in the chat that were like, this is dumb, you know, and, and they would leave. So, like, I, I actually, actually alienated my audience over this perk that, you know, in fairness, was pretty good for revenue. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah. It also tortured me because I just, at a point, I just wanted to play the game. I didn't want to blow everything up. And so, those days I didn't offer that then the, those viewers were angry and it just mm -hmm. divided the community. It was so bad. Yeah, yeah, exact, that, exactly what I had experienced. Is there anything you miss about Twitch? Because kind of, I felt as if we kind of gave it a bit of a beating at the beginning, so I want to... You know, and uh, that, I was, I was actually on a podcast on my channel last week with a, a, Twitch, a Twitch streamer who's doing really well right now, and that's where, you're, you're absolutely right, I don't, want, I, I don't hate Twitch, you know? I don't think anybody does, really. It's just, it's just not a, it's, there's not options right now, but the biggest thing Twitch has, and I think it's what holds people from switching is community. They right. have the community vibe. It's, it's there. They, they have that. There's something like when you open up live streaming, like when you open up Twitch versus, versus even YouTube, even like now, even I actually do watch more streamers on YouTube now than I do Twitch just because I'm so annoyed of Twitch ads, like being forced every time I open somebody's stream to I'm, I'm one of those people impatient first 30 seconds. Like you got to have my attention. Um, I'm, I am the statistic, but, <laughs> but there's still a reason why I still naturally want to open up Twitch. It's, it's there. It, that is the streaming community. They've built up this amazing system of channel points and features that, that allow you to feel more connected to the viewers that are there. That is very much, uh, very much missing with YouTube right now. The overall dashboard aspect, the UI to it, uh, from the streaming side is is cleaner. It's all the information once again is there. But also, too, on the flip side, I remember one that wasn't there. Twitch had to learn as well. 
Twitch had to give these features. Uh, and then it's only been the last couple of years that they've been rolled out. You know, we haven't had channel points over there forever. We haven't had gifted subs. We haven't had this dashboard. It was very bland at a certain point of time. It was gritty. Uh, and there wasn't a lot of those options. So I, I guess I have trust in YouTube. But yeah, as of right now, I miss I miss all my friends. Everybody's on Twitch. It's, it's the thing to do. And that's like uh, one thing, uh, simplicity as well. You know, it's just, it's more by the book there. Uh, but that also takes away from the creative freedom, I think, that you get on YouTube. So um, if you have a YouTube gaming's ear, um, and if there is one thing that you would like to migrate from Twitch to YouTube to make that a better experience for you and all other, I guess, ex expat live uh, Twitch streamers, what might that be if there's like one tool or feature? Oof. I would say for myself, dashboard integration, like having having more of those analytics, having those more of those controls from the back end. Yeah. Obviously, that's not the more like glorious thing. That's not what people want to hear. Like yeah. if it comes down to debate, like what do you what do you want? And everybody's like a lot of people, which is so shocking. I want gifted memberships, which is like one of the worst ways to rely on growing your brand. One of the <laughs> worst ways to get the subs is one of the biggest blessings and curses that that Twitch had. Uh, I would like a, from my end as a streamer, I would like a dashboard rollout uh, from a public side of it. I, they're doing clips. That was like, that, that's really the big thing right there. Okay. Clips are huge. I, I would also like a better dashboard. I want better post stream statistics on YouTube. Yes. Yes. I, it's, it's great to know what my peak concurrence were, but, but could you do the math for me on the average? That would be really helpful. <laughs> Yeah, the, the the average. I mean, I do like the analytics that they do give, and I do like the power on YouTube of of the watch time is is a factor that you really need to pay attention to. That on Twitch you just don't even pay attention to those things. But yeah, I, I just just a lot of like more back end stuff. Just a lot of more. I want more control. I I, f I feel like on on YouTube I do have the tools, but it's like while it's to get started while it's there. It's more of like a wild stallion. Like you don't, you don't really know everything that's going down 100%. Before we uh, wrap up, I just want to uh, ask, do you have any final thoughts out there for, for the up and coming creators on YouTube, whether they're gaming or whatever they're doing in, in, on their channel? A, a big, a big one that, you know, like we talked about earlier is the trial. The, like YouTube is so, YouTube is such an untapped market right now, which is, that sounds so childish to say. Because it's like it's the one of the biggest platforms in the in the world. So it's like you know who's a guy that's got you know in the big picture twenty six thousand out of all the people on the internet only got twenty six thousand subscribers, and he's saying that it's going to be it's like big picture, it's the big thing. Like it's it's the power they already have with the options, like all these new things that they're giving people, like YouTube Shorts and 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 yeah, the ability for live streams to feed off the content that you're making. And, and figuring out how they're also optimizing clips. I don't know if you guys seen that, but they finally started rolling out that feature, oh, yeah. which is interesting in itself because a clip is essentially just a shortened version of the whole video or stream, which is going to be huge. The, all those little things, all these little weird things that we're not used to right now is the perfect time to test them. Like it's the perfect time now than ever. That's why I say to my videos, if you want to move to YouTube, to start going to YouTube because as a creator, if you're just starting off, you have so much freedom right now to test whatever you want to test for your community. All these tools, community posts, YouTube shorts, 
long form content, short form, uh, short form live stories, like so many things. And uh, I, I would just encourage anybody that's like moving over or maybe even people like me to where we, I, I had a previous YouTube channel years ago, took a break, made a new one, came back. And I, I was kind of stuck in my old habits. Learn to adapt, like learn to go against the grain sometimes. Uh, I wouldn't be having this conversation with you, fine gentlemen, today. Conversation that I had last week, wouldn't have been talking to YouTube Gaming this last month if I wouldn't have personally kind of gone against the grain and started testing out YouTube with a little bit more of, of a following and a, and a voice from other people. So YouTube is a big playground right now. And I just say play on it. Like, have fun. Have a blast. Like, try new things. Fail a little bit. Figure out what works for you. Well, hey, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. This was awesome. And uh, hopefully for anyone out there who's been streaming on YouTube or Twitch or, or wherever you are, however you're making content, uh, I hope this found you uh, some use. And uh, yeah, hey, Big E, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it, guys. It was a good conversation. Thank you. Rob, thank you, for, thank you as always, Rob. I'm going to start looking for these keys to get out of this podcast room. <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm here next week, I didn't find them. They're on the they're on top of the door frame. Oh, I can't reach. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tube Talk, brought to you by VidIQ. Head over to vidIQ.com/tubetalk for today's show notes and previous episodes. Enjoy the rest of your video making day.